Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to your favorite convention-related podcast, Con Job. This week, we are joined by Mr. Alex Weir, the sales manager for Fan Expo Portland, and he's going to be doing a preview of Fan Expo Portland that takes place this coming weekend, January the 12th through the 14th. Hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, Alexa, welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. So this week we have a another special guest. We have uh, Alex Ware from the sales manager, another sales manager from Fan Expo. This time we're going to be doing a preview of Fan Expo Portland, which is uh, January 12th through the 14th. So another without further ado, we can welcome uh, Alex to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and welcome. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. I uh, hope everyone had a good one and was safe and has recovered. Um, yes, my name's Alex Ware. I'm with uh, Fan Expo, my show Portland coming up uh, on the 12th and 14th uh, is one of the four shows I'm in charge of. I'm in charge of also Fan Expo Denver, Chicago, and San Francisco. I've been with Fan Expo now for almost three years. And uh, you're, you're formerly slash still currently known as the, uh, the Carved Pumpkin Guy. Yes, I was uh, a full-time artist uh, for about nine years. The Pumpkin Geek, if anyone has either heard of me or is interested, um, that was one of my main reasons for taking the job with Fan Expo is I've been on that side of the table. And so I really, and most of my management can attest, I will fight management on things that I think that they're not taking into consideration when it comes to the exhibitor and the artist experience. And, you know, I got to I got to tell you, that was one of the things that I, I do love about you. Um, you know, Autumn has that same vendor background, but you like it was yours. It was, you know, it was 100 percent yours when you were doing it and you get it like you you feel our pain sometimes. Oh, I do. I mean, I, you know, in the in the heart of it, you know, before COVID, um, I was doing about 25, 26 shows a year. And, you know, I'm based in Sacramento, California. So I did Megacon. I did Denver. I did um, Philly. I did, you know, Comic Palooza. I did all these shows. I've gone through the ups and downs and the get me away from the nearest bridge because I'm about to jump because, you know, Saturday, Saturday was not what I expected. So I understand all that. And I try to transfer that into what I can help present uh, and make our shows the most successful from an attendee and an exhibitor and artist standpoint. Well, and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to jump around and jump off of our question list, Ryan. One, one of the things that I, I you know, I, I will attest to is that you get it. You know, you and I had a conversation in Denver or about Denver, you know, yep. about about my spot. And, you know, you talked to me about it, told me what was going on. And you wanted to make sure that it was the best spot for me, you know, with the, the you know, the booth that I had and whatnot. And you, you know, you did a great job with that. And I think, you know, I appreciate that. And I think a lot of others appreciate that you actually, for a lack of a better, better way to put it, you give a damn. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, you know, I try and, you know, anybody that knows me and goes to our shows, they know that 
from show open, if not before, to show close, and definitely much later on in the evening, I'm walking the show floor consistently, trying to talk to all of the exhibitors and artists, find out what's what's working, what's not. Um, you know, trying to find out if it's an experience that they're going to carry over into rebooking for the next year, which is obviously essential for fan expo and for my job. It makes my job easier if I get you know 75 to 80 percent of you guys to say, hey, this was a solid enough show that I want to sign up for next year placement becomes simpler. You're like, Hey, Alexa, were you happy with your space? You're like, you know, could I try this? I'm like, okay, let me see what I can do. Or yeah, no, I'm happy. It just makes my position and what I do more effective to make you guys more successful. We, we, we like being successful. That's, yeah. uh, that's a, that's a big deal. Really? I wouldn't uh, have, I wouldn't have gathered that from, from any of the conversations I have from clients. And, and if you guys have never that. seen Alex walking around the, uh, the show floor, if you don't know what he looks like, just look for the nerdy vest. <laughs> the vest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's Absolutely. a pro and a con because everyone in knows who I am. Yeah. In a con, everyone knows who I am. And everyone knows who I am. So it's, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a pro and a con. Yes, pun intended. Right. No. And you play it well. Um, <laughs> so so for the Portland show, um, are you able to tell us about the number of vendors and artists that you have this year? Yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty much a static show floor from last year. So we have about 105 exhibitors and I believe about 180 artists, which include the premiums. And I think our pro comics um, are approximately 45, 46. So it's until the show really grows, we're, there's not a lot of room to change the show floor. Once we start getting bigger, then we'll take more space in the community section, like the 501 first and all that. And we'll move them into some of the panel rooms, et cetera, so that we can take up more of the actual physical show floor. But for right now, it's, it's technically a third year show, but the first year that we took it over from Wizard, which is, is an old Wizard property, um, Omicron hit. And so in 2022, that was supposed to be our first Fan oh, Expo yeah. Portland, and it got shut down. And so this year, or last year, I should say, 2023, was our first actual Fan Expo Portland. So, you know, this is still a second year show. We've got a lot of room to grow and a lot of, you know, things that we learned from the past show and that we're trying to carry over into next year or this year, I should say. Now, my 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 question to kind of follow up on the number, um, how does that differ from what it was with with Wizard World? Is it, you know, is it a bigger show floor, or a smaller show floor? I know the guest list is better um, than, you know, than it was with Wizard World. Now, sorry, you cut out there, Alexa. I think you're gonna have to repeat that question. Okay. So, how how is the show floor as far as like number of exhibitors? Um, how how does it differ from the Wizard World um, show floor? Is it you know are there more exhibitors, less exhibitors? Um, you know, I did the show as an artist back in Wizard World. I think the last show I did was maybe 2016 or 17. So it's hard for me to actually speak to that. I think we have a different hall configuration. And again, Wizard had had, I want to say, seven years to build that show up. We're still in our second year. Everyone was still, especially a, a city like Portland, was still very, very COVID sensitive. So even the first year, a lot of the online questions were, are we still going to require masks? Are we going to have plexiglass? And of course, you know, you look at the comments and 50% are like, why would we do that? And 50% are like, yes, we have to have that. So, you know, I'm sure that it is smaller than Wizard World at the height of the Portland show. 
but that's, you know, one of the things that I always tell exhibitors and artists, you know, a lot of them will say, oh, I'll do that show when it gets to be 40 and 50,000 when it's really established. Well, I mean, you do the math. If everybody said that, we'd have no show. And so, you know, to your point, Alexa, where, you know, you say, I give a damn. It's, I, I tell people, look, you help me out with helping me grow my show. Then you're going to get all the love in year three and four when it is what everybody wanted to wait for. Well, you're going to get better placement because you know what? You were the one grinding it out with us and you helped us create something that we knew we could get to. It just it takes a little while for these shows to grow. Now, conversely, you know, you and I had a had a discussion beforehand, you know, about, you know, the, the give a damn part of it. You know, you're also very open with with. With, with exhibitors and you know you give them reasonable expectations of the show so i i i appreciate that very 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 much you know you you don't paint uh, paint everything like it's you know megacon you say you know this is it this is what the show's going to be you know these are the expectations and i think that that fosters a lot of trust well thank you like i said i mean being on that side of it i i mean and you, we all know any of us that have done shows for, you know, not just one show a year, if you're a local artist and you just do it one time a year, if this is something that you do for a livelihood, even setting the expectation for attendees, I mean, I, I'll throw out, you know, I did Palooza for one year. I heard it was the best show on the planet. I got to do it. I got to do it. It was my worst show in seven years. Nothing against the organizers, nothing against the con. It was phenomenal. There was 100,000 people there, et cetera. No one bought my product. And so I fell flat on my face. And I always look, is it my product? Is it my price point? Or is it my presentation? I always say, what am I doing wrong? Or is this not a market for my, my, you know, my product that I'm bringing? Or am I priced too high? And so, and I've done shows where there's five or 10,000 and I've killed it. So even setting up expectations for the number of attendees, you know, Case in point, San Francisco, we just had that, you know, this Thanksgiving weekend, we doubled our attendance. For the most part, the exhibitors were up about 30 or 40%, which was expected because, you know, last year or 2022 was our first year, you know, there were plenty of attendees. The sales, a lot of people uh, on the exhibitor floor said, given the amount of people, we would have expected more sales. You know, and that's something we can't control. But I try and give people, you know, exhibitors and artists a, at least a guideline of, hey, you know, Portland is going to be on par with like one of our Cleveland shows. It'll get you where you need to be for the next show. You're not going to be able to go, you know, go buy that new Tesla that you've been dreaming about. It's, it, that's going to be a Megacon or a Denver maybe that might be able to get you there. And I people like that. Yeah, right. So for sure. You, Ryan, you're really quiet. Get I know. I was, gonna say. <laughs> I was just, just biding my time. Biding my time. <laughs> so can we talk a little bit about um, some of the feedback we got from some uh, listeners is that they want to get more information on what types of booths and the pricing on these previews. So I know for Fan Expo, you guys have like the artist table, you have the regular artists, and then you have those end caps. And then for the yeah. vendor booths, you have the booths and then so it, for this particular show can you give us just an idea of what the the costs and the and the types are 
Yeah, so for a typical 10x10 is going to be $966. Fan Expo, as a rule of thumb, does not offer 10x10 corners for most shows. Shows like Megacon, Denver, and Dallas that are our flagship tier one shows, it's just hard. We don't have enough corners to go around. It just doesn't work. Um, smaller shows, like a Cleveland, Portland, San Francisco, there are opportunities to possibly upgrade to a corner, which is usually $125. Um, once you get into three booths or more, the price usually drops about $100 to $125 per booth. So the bigger exhibitors that get three and four booths, you know, they're saving four or $500. Artist table for Portland is $354 and a premium end cap, which is two six-foot tables at the end of an artist row, is $866. This is a really odd question, but what's up with the weird pricing? I have no idea. All I know is that when we do the, re I, you know, again, as one of my Canadian counterparts says, that's above my purview. Um, so it, really what it has to do is like, let's say if the, if the booth or the table was normally 350 and we say we're going to do a 15% increase. The number is what the number is. And so sometimes it comes out wonky, like 358.25. And I just, I just, I don't understand exactly how that happens, but it just does. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely, definitely strange. <laughs> I, I, you're not the first person to, to comment on that. So how have the uh, ticket sales been for this one versus, you know, compared like to last year, for example? Right now, we're about on track. We were trending up a little bit higher right before the holidays. Um, and so now it's flat from last year. The difficult thing that I found out, and I didn't know this really when I was you know, an artist, and I had really not even known about it until probably this year, was 40% of at least Fan Expo ticket sales, I don't know if it's an industry standard, happened the week of the show which is so hard when you're two or three weeks out and you're expecting a certain number and imagine you're 40% away from that number, you, you kind of go into a little bit of a concern yeah. mode. It's, it's, and it's, it's so impossible to gauge. And some cities are much more walk-up cities and some cities are much more planning cities. I think Portland falls into the, let me wait and see. I know a lot of the attendees tend to say, okay, um, you know, uh, Joseph Quinn is, he's signed on. I love Joseph Quinn. I love Stranger Things, but I don't know if he's going to cancel. You know, that seems to be the big concern. I think it was more of a concern during COVID or just coming out of COVID. I think more of the actors, nobody wants to cancel. I mean, we as a well, company, we hate it. <laughs> I, I, well. Say, well, I mean, I think, I think there was, a, we have a running joke in one of our group uh, group chats it's that christina, let me guess christina, i was gonna say yeah. she was she was she was in toronto but she was in toronto she showed up to toronto but yes you're right there are some there are some actors whether it's work schedule or family you know issues that come up that you're right they, they are harder to guarantee in but i think for the most part fan expo we're trying to to lock in our celebrities and you know we always tell them hey look if you have to cancel it's on you. We don't want to get all the blowback. And so we, we kind of, I think, are starting to put in their contract. If you have to cancel for any reason, you need to do the video and apologize to the fans because everyone comes after us. 
Yeah, and it's like, yeah. it's, it's we, we don't, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's like, okay, we get, and I'm not that we're getting Robert Downey Jr. We get Robert Downey Jr. for Denver. And if he cancels there, people are going to destroy us. So, I mean, yeah. we don't want that at well, all. Well, and there, there's always the, the garbage speculation of, you know, they never had him. He was never coming to begin with. I see that I in know. all the groups. And you heard it like, I know. Folks. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> right, Robert right. Downey Jr. at Denver. You know, you know, I'm not going to lie. Whoever gets him at a show, they're going to like autumn. Autumn said, you know, on when we had her on, you know, they're going to break that show. Like that that is going to break the show and it's not going to break the show. Like financially, the show is going to be great financially, but it's, it's going to break the show by, yeah, not, not being able to get get enough people through the lines. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, there's that, there's that gray area we have every exhibitor and artist is like there weren't enough attendees and then we do denver and we do megacon they're like why didn't you cap the ticket sales there was too many people (laughs) i'm like oh my gosh you know it's it, it in fact for i think for denver you know now we're going to four days and i know we're talking portland but i'm just kind of giving an overview you know we're going to four days and a lot of the exhibitors like oh you should add a second hall so there's more traffic flow i'm like okay so how are you going to feel when i put you in that second hall right well i don't want that well so you know again i because like you said yeah exactly and like you said alexa because i have a a a, you know a nine-year experience on that side of the table i will call out the artists and the exhibitors when they're asking for something that they really are just saying and I've never heard this before. I want the best placement in the best location on the red carpet, front facing, you know, everybody wants the best. So my solution is let's have one con that's all red carpet for seven miles long and everybody gets on the red yeah. carpet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. Then you'd be the complaining. Well, if there's everyone on the red carpet there, no one's Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Hey there, podcast listeners. Are you in the business of making lasting impressions at events? Look no further than Premier Event Printing. We have glossy, matte, foil, and lenticular prints, canvas rolls, wraps, frame canvases, and acrylic plexiglass. You can elevate your setup with custom bags, keychains, and tablecloths. Follow us on Instagram at Premier Event Printing for a complete list of items, or email us at premiereventprinting at gmail.com. Your event deserves the Premier treatment. Choose Premier Event Printing today. And so, Alex, I know that you uh, you like to attend shows, you know, as an attendee, uh, you're looking for different artists, different vendors to come to some of your shows. Is there anything in particular that you're looking for that, uh, I mean, I, obviously outside of, you know, you don't want 50 Funko Pop vendors or whatever, but is there anything in particular you're looking for for some of these people as you approach them to see if they're interested in coming to some of your shows? You know, first, I I try to find people who are not doing Fan Expo shows. Maybe logistically they can't travel to what they think is only Megacon and Denver and Dallas. Um, But I'm looking for a unique new variety of product um, or presentation because, like you said, and again, nothing against the Funko dealers or the Sword dealers. There's plenty of them at every Comic-Con. But we get those gems like Meg with her art, which is very unique. It's, you know, traditional, you know, painting style rather than a lot of the digital art. Um, Alexa with the glassware, there's some unique aspects. And so I always look for the products in the presentation. And I also get to know the people. I mean, I, I want our attendees to experience, you know, a show where they go and they meet an artist or an exhibitor 
and they feel a connection with them that they are like, wow, not only did I get a cool piece of art or get a really cool, you know, Deadpool, you know, beer mug. It's like, I got to meet some really some cool people because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone will buy what they're going to buy, but the gems that they remember is, yeah, they got that celebrity photo up and stuff like that. But when they buy a, a product from someone that they made a connection with, I mean, we all know that Comic-Con is really built on community and you become friends with people that are very unlikely and in the real world, quote unquote, you probably would have never thought to become friends or make a, a you know, a, a build a relationship with that person. And in the Comic-Con world, it's like that all goes away. Everybody starts to become friends with everybody, regardless of all of the things that you check on the box. And so I just look for something unique that's going to bring the attendees a great experience. Okay. And that's good because, you know, you do get some unique stuff. And, you you know, it's not always the same vendors, you know. So, I mean, I know obviously a lot of that has to do with the location because you have Chicago, Portland, you know, so those are completely far apart. But, yeah. Alexa, you have any? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, actually, I, I think <laughs> all of that was covered. Okay. And then, so, um, for me, Alex, so, um, what we like to do is ask some of the, like, fun questions. Um, so my, my thing is, as a showrunner now, if money was no object, because I know it's not money out of your pocket on these things, but if money's no object, if you could get any person in the world, live or dead, to be uh, a guest at one of your shows, who would it be and why? Mine's not going to be a very popular answer, but I think to me, me, one of me, the, isn't it? You are. <laughs> you're already there. So I didn't have, I didn't have to, I didn't have to say that. So to me, this is probably the best actress of, I think our generation. And she hits almost every genre. She's done rom-com. She's done sci-fi. She's done horror. And so, and drama. And so to me, Emily Blunt, is someone that I would love to see at a show because she's so unique. She doesn't fit the one box of being a scream queen, but we all saw, um, of course, I'm blanking on the name, uh, A Quiet Place, which was a brilliant horror film. And so, and then, I mean, I don't know if everybody's seen Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise sci-fi flick. It's one of my favorites. So, fantastic. And then, yeah, exactly. And so I think she's just one of them. And plus, every time I see her in the behind the scenes interviews when she's doing like Jungle Cruise with The Rock, she just seems like the coolest person in the world. And I think she would give our fans that experience of, I just met my new best friend, Emily Blunt. And so I've always had a fascination with her since the very beginning of her career. Okay. Now, speaking of celebs, uh, got me thinking. One thing that we've, Alexa and I have talked about this a little bit, I, I think off the air, but we've talked about, like, we've noticed this this kind of trend lately where, where the guest lists, you know, not only are they getting big in terms of the number of people, but they're getting big in terms of the, the level. Like, you're getting, you know, eight, nine, ten, like, huge names where it, you get to the point where some shows – there's going to be everybody in the autograph lines and nobody <laughs> in the vendor hall. Is there any, you know, obviously I think that's worrisome from our standpoint, because obviously, you know, your job from a showrunner, you just got to get the people in the door where they spend their money is irrelevant to you. Hey, I brought them here. You didn't buy your stuff, but it also gets that fine line of, you know, there might be, you know, you're in line for five hours, you know, and they don't get a chance to get to go uh, buy anything. Have you guys thought, does any of that ever come up? at your level i mean i know you always say it's out of my purview but 
A, does it come up at your level? And B, do you guys ever, has there been any, any talk about possibly doing like the, almost like a, like a Disney thing where, hey, you got, you have an hour window to get over here. And so you don't have to stand in line for 25 hours. You know, I mean, it's a great question. <clears throat> and it's something that I, I always question and bring up to uh, my director and management. Um, and so I understand that, you know, it is, it's a fine line. We want to bring in the people, but where they spend their money, you know, again, we can't control that. But again, you're right. We have the entire cast of the Avengers, you know, all the way from Coulson to, to, to Tony, it's going to take away a lot of people buying stuff. And so I think one of the things that has dynamically changed the number of, of celebrities and the caliber of celebrities was the writer's strike. We had people reaching out to us where normally we were banging on their door and they were reaching out. They're like, Hey, I not really doing anything. I can't discuss my projects so much, but actually that opened up a really open, uh, open dialogue when like, for example, we had Susan Sarandon in Chicago. I don't think she had ever done a show, but, um, you know, and she's Oscar award winner and all that. And, and I know her from all of her amazing projects, but people wanted to meet her because of Rocky horror. That's where she got her start. And so, but she didn't talk about that, but a lot of people got to ask her about what got her into acting, you know, what's, what's something that was a difficult challenge when doing different shows or films. And she wouldn't necessarily have to talk about a project. So people felt like they got to know the celebrity a little bit better rather than the character that they played. You know, like if a, you know, Hayden Christensen shows up and he's not going to talk about Star Wars, they want to know a little bit about his background. What got you into acting? What made you, you know, think that you had a talent for this and what, what drove you to it? So I think the writer's strike now being over, which I'm very glad for and amen for that. Um, I don't know that we're going to have every actor under the sun doing all of the shows, but it did open up people to saying, hey, I've, I've never done a Comic-Con. Mark Hamill hadn't done one for six, seven years, and then he did our San Francisco show. Now he might do more. I'm not saying that that's necessarily locked and loaded and in the books, but it's given some of these actors an opportunity to say, well, I never thought about doing that. I had a good time. I'm, I made the money I was hoping to make. I got to meet the fans. So, it, you know, it is a, it, it's a balance. It's, it's really hard to determine where that line falls on is 20 it's celebrities yeah it's, it's yeah. 20 celebrities work or is 25 the sweet spot and if we get to 28 we've just killed the show floor so right, it's right. it's impossible so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the question differently because i think i know where ryan was going with this mm -hmm. but i don't think i don't think he conveyed it correctly so hey. Nice. <laughs> well, look, I love you, man, but sometimes you're not eloquent with words. You're not a wordsmith. Thank you very much. Yeah. Are, um, are we thinking that maybe maybe that Meg should take over Ryan's position in the podcast? No, she doesn't Is that like what to we're talk. insinuating? <laughs> She's not a talker. Um, She's not a talker. No. So I, I, think, I think what Ryan is asking is, you know, if let's let, I'm going I'm to use Megacon as an example. Um, you know, pretty soon you'll be using Denver, an example, because that show kicks. Oh, and that, my goal, my my goal is to make it the show of Fan Expo US. But anyway, we'll go with Megacon. Well, so so Megacon I'm going to use because I know 
I know that there are three massive guests at this show. Ewan McGregor, yes. Hayden Christensen, and Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Amazing. Those three guys are going to be there Saturday. If I've only purchased a Saturday ticket because that's all that was left, I'm literally spending all day in lines as, as an attendee, which means that I'm not able to shop the show floor at all. That's very true. Has there been a consideration to do because of those type type of instances? Because trust me, it is not just one-offs. Last year, I talked to so many people that were like, I wasn't able to shop because I literally stood in lines all day. Is there a consideration to start doing uh, a, almost like a line queue system because the technology is there. We've talked about it multiple times in the past, but has there been talk from your end or that you've heard that that is going to be a consideration or is it just that you got to have these freaking lines and you can't do the line queue systems because of egos with the, the celebrities? You know, I mean, that's a great question, Alexa, and I can give you my perspective. I'm not part of that team. That's going to be our celebrity and our logistics team. I have heard rumblings of trying to set together like a, like a, you know, a video monitor with, hey, we're doing digital cues. And if you're number zero to 100, this is your time, etc. I don't know how feasible that is because then you run into the situation to where, okay, you're number 194. You don't have to be back until noon. You get busy doing something else and then you forget. And then all of a sudden you're pissed off that you just spent X amount of dollars and you're the one who missed the photo op or the autograph. I'm not sure how that could be managed, especially when you have such a large venue, when you're doing these big, big shows, it may take you 45 minutes to an hour to just get from point A until the celebrity line. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that that's something that we're trying to look at and, and elevate the experience so that, you know, because we do unfortunately have some of these celebrities. I know personally, um, I know Ming-Na and she does a few of our shows and she does Saturday only, whether it's for family or for schedule. There are some celebrities that they say, hey, I want to do the show, but I can only do Saturday. I can only do Friday or, or Sunday. And we don't have any way to negotiate if we've got, you know, Hiddleston, Christensen and, and um, McGregor and they can only do Saturday. We just have to hold on and figure out the best way to manage it. And I know that 50 percent, if not more, are going to be upset as far as attendees. And then that upsets the exhibitors because you're right. They're in line for, and especially if they happen to have the resources to buy all three photographs or, you know, or autographs, they're going to be in line the whole day. I mean, they're just going to the con just to get those experiences with the celebrities. That's not something that I, I want for our company. I, I want our company to be well-rounded to where there's enough attendees that are spending money on the celebrities and the exhibitors and the artists and going to the panels and really having a fully well-rounded experience so that everyone is happy and everyone can walk away and say that was a successful show that's well, that was a little that was a little bit more eloquently put i'm not gonna lie yes <laughs> yeah I, again wordsmith thank you very much <laughs> Words. you're welcome <laughs>
but yeah, we we always met, we always say so that uh, we we feel like if if you guys could figure out or all shows could figure out a way to have like you know like the fast pass thing or the genie, you know where it's like hey, you, you have, know you have the hour window to get over here in line, so you're not standing there. That would be. Such and a- let me ask let me ask you guys this because you guys obviously do a lot of shows as well. And I know that you're not necessarily going for the autographs and the the photo ops. Have you experienced a show that has successfully navigated that problem? Because if so, I mean, I would definitely say, you know me, I'm always walking around. Tell me, hey, Alex, go check out this show. Go get a a, a photo op for you and McGregor and experience what they do because it works. Because, you know, Fan Expo at the end of the day, we want to be the best producer of the shows. That's what we want to do. We want everyone to say, gosh, you got to do a fan expo show, whether it's a small show or Megacon, you got to try and jump on board. So I always say, I, you know me, I invite, you know, constructive criticism or recommendations like, Alex, you should go check out this show. It's not very big, but this is something that they implemented that works fantastic. So fan X, the, the Dan Farr shows, yeah. so Salt Lake, Indiana, mm-hmm. Indiana. Um, I can't remember what show it was, but they had selective line tickets for certain celebrities at one of their shows. And I, I, I noticed it because they would have, they had wipe boards that, you know, it was, you know, um, now, you know, now accepting tickets blank through blank. And right. or VIP experience lines up here, 100 to 150 lines up here. Okay. That makes so, sense. So, and, from from the the people that I talked to, I talked to the celebrities. It made them more comfortable because they they saw the line that they had in front of them, and they knew, you know, I've got an hour and ten minutes to get through this line, and you know, there's 150 people here. It's going to be sure. quick autographs, but at least I have a little bit of time to talk to these people. And no, and that makes sense. It, yeah, you're it right. It wasn't as overwhelming. It's all, it's all math. Yeah. 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 I mean, because there's there's only a certain number of autographs that they can sign in a day. Period. And oh, exactly. And creating a line does nothing but stress the 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 celebrity out, and it makes it so that other people that might be interested in getting an autograph from them are deterred. When there's a line that looks like it's going to take four or five hours to get through because there's 500 people there, um, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Well, actually, I have a, a another question regarding that then, Alex. As, as far as the celebrities go, I've been in some of the green rooms with them, and they'll be sitting there and, like, asking their handlers, like, oh, is, is there a bunch of people in my line yet? Like, they don't want to go out there if there's three people in line, for example. Have oh, that's a, anything? you know, I haven't because I'm not Ryan Withy. I don't get to go into the green room. Well, it's not because of me. Let's, <laughs> let's get that out there real quick. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and that's that's a fair thing. I've, I've walked by, I mean, again, I walked the whole show floor, and I'll walk by and I'll see a celebrity that I think, you know, someone that I recognize that is of decent caliber, and I don't mean to diminish anyone else that is not of that caliber, but there are people that, like, I don't know voice actors. I wouldn't know, other than Kenny James, who does all our shows, and the Mario world and all that, I don't tend to know a lot of their faces. So you see someone who, oh yeah, I know who they are. Um, and if there's not a big line, you you do, you kind of like, oh, I take it personally from a fan expo standpoint, like what are we not doing to actually bring some attention to them? So that's a great point, Ryan, because you're right. If, if you get 
one of our celebrities, and I'll throw out Ming. I mean, Ming always has a line, but let's say Ming was there and the crowd hadn't started setting up yet and she's got four or five people. There's a lot of celebrities who, I mean, let's face it, all artists, celebrities, all of us that do this, we all have our insecurities, even though we try and hide it. Well, if you know that you're only going to go out and there's three people, it's going to probably hit your ego a little bit if you're sitting next to someone who has 150 people. So that's a fair point. And I, you know, and I don't know. And again, there's a lot of these things that they're great topics of discussion and we can try and figure out what will work, but it's almost an impossible and unquantifiable, you know, option of if we do this, well, then we're ostracizing this. And if we try this, well, but then have we considered this? It's just, you know, 50% are going to love it. 50% are going right, to hate it. Right. Well, welcome. To, yeah. Welcome to social media. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. All right. Um, Alexi, you have anything else? Um, let's see. You asked your question. What's your, uh, what's your favorite food city, Alex? Like to go to for when, when you go to a city, who do you get it? What city do you get excited about? You know what? I'll throw this one on Ryan because I, I'm not a big foodie. Uh, to me, if they have a great Italian place, that's my go-to. I will eat Italian breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't care. And if they have gnocchi, then that's what I'm eating for the week. I'm a very simple creature of habit. But Ryan and Meg in Dallas oh. of 2022, because Meg was not there in 23. Brought Max, brought our son. Yeah, yeah, you brought Max to 23. But Meg and Ryan said, Alex, you got to come out to dinner with us at a place called Woolworth. Yeah. And oh, I was yeah. like, okay, um, I don't, I don't need, I don't need an appliance because I know yeah. Woolworths has an appliance store. I'm like, we're we gonna go shopping for dishwashers, Ryan. Yeah. We don't know each other that well. <laughs> and so we went, and oh my gosh, it was absolutely incredible. And I think I got almost like a, um, gosh, I think I got like a beef Wellington, which is something I never eat. And oh my gosh, right. I was ready to go there the next day, but it was like a hundred dollars a plate. <laughs> but it was, but it, it, it was, it was it damn worth it. it. it was, you know, it's it funny was, that you you just said, oh, you know, a, a, a department store. Are you like eighty years old, Alex? Like, uh, you know, I'm. I know what we're I mean, I do too. But the last one that I saw open, I was like six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm quite a bit older than the two of you, so you have to remember that. You know, when people say that they're Gen Xers and they are the product of the 80s. Well, I graduated high school and went to college in the 80s. So that dates me a little bit. And I remember the 70s because I was a kid in the 70s. So yes, I am just that old. Oh my I gosh. just happen to look a lot better. You know what? You don't, you don't, uh, you don't appear your age. So good job, friend. Thank you. And I certainly don't act it. I, I mean, look, I wasn't going to say. Um, Ryan, do we, do we have anything else on this, uh, this mountainous list of, uh, of questions? No, no, we've gotten through them all. All right. Um, we've, uh, we've beat up Alex enough. Yeah. I actually, have, Oh no, it's been great. I have one thing to say. Um, if it, all the listeners out there could please go on to Instagram and search for con job pod and give us a follow Alex, you want to tell everybody where to find you? Sure. And I will also repost your link because I would love for more fans, exhibitors and artists to start getting involved in this community because I think it it helps all of us. Right. But yeah, if you want to follow me individually, which is my um, artist Instagram, but it does have links to my business with Fan Expo, but it is the pumpkin geek. I'm only on Instagram because the rest, let's face it, are garbage. <laughs> and that's just <laughs> the easiest way to manage one social media platform. All right. Perfect. Um, then that's all we have for you this week. And, uh, 
thank you so much for coming on. I know we were uh, going back and forth about trying to nail down a date and time, but yeah, we appreciate you coming on and uh, talking to us and we'll, we'll have you back on. You have plenty of other shows that we could get you on for. I think you did. Okay. This time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not too shy when it comes to speaking. Yes. No, I know. And, <laughs> but thanks for having me on guys. Of course. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks Alex. On. Not a problem. Have a great day guys. Thank <laughs> you.